your weekly Selk Grassroots podcast, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Welcome to Match Fix, a brand new Selk production podcast, bringing you everything you want to know about the women's grassroots game. Episode three of Match Fix is here and so is March, also known as Women's History Month. This is another part one I'm keeping short and sweet because this week's interview is once again a brilliant one. Kindred Spirits is very much the vibe here. Just some quick news from me. We are one week closer to the return of football on the 29th of March. And I suspect, just like my team, many of you are still yet to learn the fate of your league, but are just really keen to be back out on the pitch with your teammates. One other thing, the FA of this week confirms that the first round popper of the FA Cup will resume on the 31st of March, with 24 non-league teams still in the competition. Whilst I commend the fact the integrity of the competition hasn't been left in tatters after the insult of a coin toss to decide its outcome was suggested, I do fear that teams who haven't played together for nine weeks are considerably disadvantaged. They'll have had just two, yes, two days of training on their return and then be faced with playing their elite counterparts who join at the fourth round and have been privileged to have continued throughout lockdown in just a matter of weeks. Add to the mix the very real genuine risk of injury, this will be a competition to keep an eye on. Let me know what you think. Anyway, enough from me and keep listening for a perfectly positive part two. Having trouble tracking who can play and who can't? Download Down to Play before your next match. The first app to purely focus on player availability. Get Down to Play for free in the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to part two of episode three of Match Fix. And joining me today is Carol Bates, who is our, the founder, chair and coach at Crawley Old Girls. Carol, welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me on. Privileged to be here. Oh, not at all. Not at all. How are you? How's things? How is life treating you in this crazy old time? Well, I think at the moment, but there's just so much excitement. First of all, about getting back to football, grassroots, outdoor grassroots football. Um, but sort of not being able to work as a self-employed at the moment. I've had a lot of time at home, so I've been able to do a lot of football stuff as well, whereas I'm usually sitting here of an evening in front of my laptop and now here during the day as well. So I've been able to do quite a bit of stuff. So, um yeah, I mean, exciting times getting back to outdoor grassroots football. I mean, our women are just chomping at the bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of pretty applicable to kind of everybody across the board, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes, we are edging ever closer to the fingers crossed return of football. Well, I guess, yeah, it is the return, isn't it? It's just kind of leagues have got yeah, to sort we... themselves out, but you guys are ready to go by the sounds of it. Yeah, well, we, we had a few sort of teasers, didn't we? We went back for a few weeks and then that was it again. But I think, you know, we're on the on target to go back properly this time. Fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> you mentioned that you've kind of had a little bit of spare time on your hands. Kind of what have you been up to? How have you kind of been dealing with lockdown, shall we say, actually? Because it's kind of been it's been tough kind of physically and mentally. Is there anything you've particularly been doing that's kind of helped you keep kind of chugging along? Um, I think, I mean, I'm... As we've sort of said before, if I'm not playing football, if I'm not talking about it, I'm either writing about it or doing something or organising something. Um, So it's actually been sort of a a bit of 
I wouldn't say breath of fresh air because lockdown's been, you know, hard for lots of people. But having been at home, I've actually managed to get some time to do things because I have a full-time, I'm self-employed and I work full-time. So I do a lot of stuff in the evenings um, around football and stuff. So I've actually had time during the day um, to do more work. So I've actually been quite productive. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's great. Yeah. Good to hear. Okay. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about all of those kind of things that you kind of alluded to there, but let's kind of, let's kick off with your kind of story. Like what is your kind of background? So, um, where did football begin for you basically? Right. So I, I'm, I'm 54 now and when, way back when in the seventies, when I was about seven, um, me and my sister lived with my dad, um, and in the seventies, that was quite it was quite different to do that but my dad was actually quite a good football player mm-hmm. and um and he used to play for Rygate Priory and played for Red Hill um and uh, and he was quite a good he was quite a good player at that time but having you know living with my dad we actually had to go with him every Saturday to football yeah. uh, because there's no one to look after us so so we literally followed him around the country around the non-league sort of scene um places like Corinthians and Baltimore and Hersham and and the Bank of England which we loved because that was really posh and we had really nice tea and <laughs> <laughs> tea there and uh, so we just used to follow him around when he played um and even here, the smell of liniment when, <laughs> when every time we went in there. Um, but they were really good times, really happy times. And that's sort of where my love of football started, really. I, I suppose it was a case of you have to like it or that's it sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but we just used to go along, me and my sister. We'd have a little football kick to kick about and watch my dad play and this sort of thing. Um, I think he played his last game when he was 68. He played a, wow. uh, like a little uh, sort of memorial game at South Park. Uh, that was his last game. So he's he's football mad as well. So uh, it sort of started there, really. Um, and then as I got older, I got a teenage, to this teenage years, I used to make the teas there. So when I was about 13, 14, I used to make the teas and pie and beans for everyone. <laughs> and I just remember being in the, the tiniest little kitchen. And I used to have a little transistor radio that would have on and listen to the football scores. And, and as they all came up for their teas and their, their pie and beans, they'd say, oh, what's the score? What's the score? And mm-hmm. I feel quite important because I was behind this little hatch and I was only a young kid and I was telling them the scores and they would, you know, um, so, you know, it was really happy memories of that sort of time. And then and then when my dad came up and he'd got changed, we'd be allowed to go on the fruit machine and, you know, so, and things like that. And it, it was a really happy time. Yeah. Uh, doing stuff like that so that was sort of the teenage years um and then it sort of went up my dad sponsored palace in the 90s um so we'd get taken up there and and then sort of as I got a bit older I didn't really have many friends that like football sort of many girlfriends that like football it was the boys and you know at school we were never allowed to play football at school it was always so I don't know it was just one of those things that football was always there everything was there apart from being able to play it yeah absolutely. Um, so sort of at the moment you know we're the misgeneration that, that didn't get to play so um yeah so when I got sort of a bit older and started working um I used to work with a load of well I used to run an office in the end but there was loads of lads in the warehouse and we used to come in and they always used to chat football to me um and then they sort of loved football and they said oh Carol can you manage a team for us so this was like in the 90s yeah and um 
I think that they just did it because I like football. But I thought I didn't have a clue how to run a men's team in the nineties. <laughs> but I said, yeah, I'll do it. I think they just got me along to just do all the paperwork and make sure all the they all paid their money. And that's that was it really. So I did a little bit of um a little bit of coaching. So I went and bought a coaching book. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, only the what I'd watched over the years. And I think uh, I think I learned sort of taught them how to split the defence and that was about it really. And then we just used to go out afterwards down the pub and I'd sort of leave my boyfriend at home on a Saturday afternoon and just go just go with the lads and just sort of play football. Um I mean we didn't win much, but it was a great <laughs> laugh and I had a good couple of years doing that. Um yeah, that was uh, they were they were good times and that was the Red Hill District League. So uh, it, it was just like a Saturday afternoons and, and that was football again. Um, and then sort of growing up properly, <laughs> my teenage years, twenties, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then sort of from there, I just had so I had my boys. I moved to Crawley from Red Hill. Um, had my boys, and they were part of the sort of Crawley Town Youth um, system. Well, it was just like a junior football club, but attached to Crawley Town. So yeah. I used to start mm. going to watch Crawley. Um, and I'd spend every, like many mums, spend every Saturday on the sidelines, you know, getting up every Saturday morning, taking them to football. But it was just what I wanted to do. I wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else, to be honest. So it was just one of them. It's just it's just a process you go through with you. With, so I had two boys, so the eldest one did it and then the youngest one did it. And then it sort of, they got a bit older and then and then it worked out that they stopped playing and I started, so it was, just, <laughs> it was just quite a quite a funny process. But yeah, so when they stopped, I did um, I did some, or when we started up the cogs, which I'll, I'll talk about in a bit. But um, then I helped my friend Joe uh, run an under eleven girls um, team, mm-hmm. which which was just fantastic. They were just so much fun, and it and it was just fun all the time. Um, and then my life now has just been taken over by the cogs <laughs> <laughs> love that little kind of whistle stop tour of all the exciting things that you've done yeah. there so yeah I, th- I feel like you've kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything to do with football as well though you're like yeah I've made the teas I've made the pies then I've joined the yeah. team yeah like yeah I love that gone kind of well that's it and then when my boys were uh playing it was okay so I was secretary for the club and got involved in all the paperwork and stuff like that so Nice. So still sitting at my laptop every night, but, <laughs> but enjoying it as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a really exciting kind of, yeah, as I said, you've kind of done a little bit of everything. I think it's really interesting as well that you mentioned that you're kind of like the generation that was missed. I guess we can kind of touch on this a little bit more about that. But yeah, that kind of the opportunity for women to play, like like you say, you kind of did everything but the playing part. You kind of had kind of all yeah. the opportunities to be involved, just not the playing part, which is, yeah. yeah. Seems kind of really and that crazy. actually is the best bit at the end of the day isn't it is actually yeah, no. the <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah without a doubt I 100% agree um so I mean yeah you've done that little kind of whistle stop tour as I said I guess let's go kind of straight in let's dive in with cogs then in that case um and I love that line about it started with a tweet that is my favorite thing because I mean it's just that's exactly what this podcast is as well it started with a tweet too so I like yeah. that kind of little crossover we've got there so I don't know, maybe let's talk about what was that tweet? How did it start? What was that tweet well, that kind of kicked uh, it all first off? First of all, I love I loved Twitter because of the, just the social contact you have with people. I've made so many friends on Twitter, three football and stuff like that. Uh, it's been brilliant. But So it started off 
um I think sort of a, about a month before I was asked to play in like a charity I've, I've never played football before just like sideline kicking a football about the kids that sort of thing oh, yeah. loved it. and then um so there was a little charity festival um which a local club did over uh, they were, I think they were Corrie Town girls at the time. And they played like a six aside, and they had two females in each team. It was just like a charity thing. So I played in this tournament. And then, oh my God, the buzz. I just, I was just like, I was absolutely buzzing. And then, sort of a few weeks later, um, so I was chair of the supporters at Crawley Town at the time. Yeah. So um, the Crawley Town Community Foundation, the charity side of it, they were um, they were trying to get more girls playing football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. So they had um, there was a program that was run by the oh God, sorry. <coughs> there was a program that was run by the EFL Trust, yeah. um, which was a female football development program um, in 2015, um, which was run sort of Nicole Meredith at the EFL Trust. Um, she was great, um, and so Amy, who worked at the foundation at the time, she put this tweet out, um, and it said they were trying to get the girls playing. Um, and I thought, oh god, yeah, that'd be brilliant. If I'm just going to have a kick about on Monday night, yeah. And um, that just, you know, like really do me. So I've replied to the tweet and I said, oh, what's this session? Can I come along? Um, what's the age age range for the session? Blah blah blah. Yeah. And and she said, oh, it's age fourteen plus to twenty five. Well, at the time I was forty eight, so I was <laughs> thinking, oh god. I, so it was. It was not possible, really, to go and do something like that because they were trying to involve younger girls and yeah. stuff like that. So I thought, well, hang on a minute. Let, I knew lots of women who, like me, absolutely love football, were on the sidelines. I thought oh, to myself, maybe if I get maybe if I get a few of them together, we might be able to actually do something yeah. um, and sort of have an older women's group that just have a kickabout, just have a laugh sort of thing. Yeah. So, um so I said to her, well, what if I try and find some women that we can get together? Is there anything that we can do? And she said, well, I'll speak to the, the Football League Trust and see whether we can get some funding. Well, it was a bit sort of, well, it hasn't been done before. It's a bit new. Not sure if it's going to work. Anyway, Nicole was brilliant. And she said to the foundation, um, well, we'll do 10 weeks of funding and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right, yes. So I've got everyone together. Um, and then we started this session and I just, well, I just put on my Facebook page, calling all you women, my friends that are no longer spring chickens, mm-hmm. come and have some fun. It's all about fun. Just to get a bit active with the football. Um, doesn't matter what you look like, whatever, would just turn up. Anyway, so 10 people turned up on the first night. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. We had the best laugh. We just absolutely loved the whole hour. We just spent the whole hour laughing. We <laughs> Couldn't kick a football straight. And it was just one of them. It's just what, oh, we've got to do this again. Yeah. And it was silly things like um, like our stretches. So uh, Claire was a coach at the time. So we were doing stretches and we were sort of doing a groin stretch, but we were doing like a Liam Gallagher dance sort of thing. <laughs> like, yeah. So you're stretching your groin and then and then you're sticking your bum out doing the Kim Kardashian and you're stretching <laughs> that, you know, that, all sorts of things like that. And yeah. we just had the best laugh. So... Next week we had a few more people come in, and then it just it just went on from there. It was it was incredible the amount of people because the focus was always come and enjoy yourself, come and have fun. Um, I'm not one for prancing and dancing about 
like <laughs> doing exercise classes. I'm, I'm not very nimble <laughs> and, that, and I haven't got good coordination and that is just not me. So my last sort of bit of exercise or I don't really like exercise, activity, the last sort of bit of activity that I did was probably when I was about 19, Yeah, you know, in a, sort of a, a step class, which was probably way before you were born. <laughs> so, so going through those years and, you know, when you're a mum, you forget to have time for yourself. Yeah, you cool. just sort of get on with life, get on with the kids, whatever. And then all of a sudden there was like this thing that we could all go to and just have this one hour where we just had such a laugh. It took us out of took us out of all our sort of not worries, but you know, you just got us out for an hour and you just spent it with these amazing women that we just had such a laugh with. And so it just sort of went on from there. It just built and built. And I have to say the FA were absolutely brilliant mm. because it was something that had not been done before. So it was basically the premise was um older women learning to play football. Yeah. So that was new for them. Um and they were they were really supportive of what we were doing. Um and oh, there's there's just so many things that we've done over the years. It's, it's unbelievable. But we had so these sessions, so we had one session um in 2015. And it just built up and it built up and it built up. And women were coming along that you would never expect. Yeah. You know, that. I mean, I'm overweight, I'm older, you know, and I can't move around the pitch like <laughs> these young, sprocky females. But, you know, they saw that I could do that mm. and they saw I was doing it and having fun doing it. And we got all these other women involved and they just loved it. And it was yeah. brilliant. And it didn't matter what age they were because it was all sort of over 30s. And we have women coming along, you know, in their 60s. And it just sort of built up this um, amazing group of women that just came along and had some fun playing football. And that was really the premise. Um, so sort of a couple of years later, we then had so many people coming that actually they weren't beginners anymore. Yeah. They were going to the next level. So we arranged to do another session. And so over the years... We've built it up and built it up. I think we've got about over 120 women um, that come, not all in the same week, but that's that's the other thing is it's non-committal. So yeah. you've you've sort of got a load of women that can just come when they want to. They can come and play when they want to. Um, they're in a safe space. Um, it's non-judgmental. And so over the years, it just built up and built up. And sort of at the beginning, um as it was something new and hadn't been done before, it was a case we did have a lot of publicity. Yeah, and um, and a friend of mine, who a friend now, he did um, he did a BBC program on us that that went sort of on prime time in January two thousand seventeen, and that then inspired other women around the country to actually start up their own groups. Um, and specifically, like the Canterbury Old Bags, they started up. <laughs> with a good friend of mine now, Joe. She started that up from watching that program, so it was sort of a catalyst, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's so important for the visual side of it to be seen as well. So we were seen on telly, you know, these overweight—not all overweight women—but you know, I've, I can put my football top on and my kit on, and I've got rolls of fat, you know, and I'm running around a pitch, I'm laughing, I'm having fun, and and that is really, you know, what other women were seeing, and they were thinking. Well, actually, I can. If she can do that, so can I. Yeah. And you know, it's sort of spread around, uh, spread around the country. And there are there are quite a few um, 
women's groups that have set up now. So, so in the end, I mean, there's so much that I can say about it. But over the sort of last six years, we've we've now got five sessions a week. So we sort of cover everything from beginners. So we have a beginner session, and we have a beginner stroke intermediate. Then we have intermediate. Then we have advanced. And then we've got walking football as well. So you've got sort of a, a women. Well, it's now called women's recreational football. Yeah. Um, so the FA call call it that. So now you've sort of got a women's rec pathway, <laughs> just just from um, sort of being outside elite football and stuff like that. But just for women that just want to play and have fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's not just about the football as well. It's we've got a community of uh, women that that actually once they get into that safe space, they feel comfortable. Um, you know, they see people like them. It takes them a bit of courage to actually come to the first one. Yeah. But then once they do, the the women that we've got are so supportive. They're, they're always empowering other women. Um, you know, the, the physical side of it, people are getting fitter. Um, and you do actually need to be active. You know, as much as I wasn't active for God knows how many years, you do need to be active when you, especially when you get to our age and you get to the menopause and stuff like that. Well, you won't know anything about it yet, but <laughs> when you, but when you get there, you know, it's really, really important to be active. Even if you're just doing like an hour, you don't actually realize that you're, you're doing so much fitness yeah. when you're playing football because you're having fun and maybe you're, you might do some short runs or you might just, you might do, a quick sprint or something on you're constantly thinking and you're being active around the pitch but it's not constant you can do it at your own pace um there's no pressure on anyone to be running after a ball that you can't get yeah. this sort of thing um so it, it really is just about fun and enjoyment and and i think so many women that we have are supported by the other women in the group yeah um so you've got even with mental health, it's brilliant for mental health, isn't it? To just get out there, get 100%. out in the fresh air, get those endorphins going. And, um, you know, and some people do suffer with mental health. Mm -hmm. And and it's a great way because there's no pressure on them. Um, as I say, they, they go into that pitch and it's like a safe environment for them because they're in there with other women that are looking after them, sort of thing, supporting them and yeah. empowering them. Um and, it, and it's just a great space to be. So it's sort of grown grown around the country. There are lots of teams um, sort of doing the same thing. Um, and it's sort of gone from a 10 women kickabout, having a laugh, to sort of grown into women's recreational football now, which has actually been funded by Sport England to the tune of a million pounds um, mm. for the host cities for the uh, legacy projects for for the euros for 2022 so you can see how much it's grown and it and there are so many plans you know to grow it a lot more um, and reach out to those other women that you know maybe are hard to reach and and don't like zumba or don't like dancing and stuff like that but you know they can actually get on a football pitch and i think sometimes when you say to people oh i play football um they look at you as if saying god you're a bit old to play football you're a bit big to play football stuff like that yeah but some women are not, you know, interested in going to dance classes. And also they don't want that commitment where they have to go every week or yeah. do this, that and the other. Um, so, I mean, it's great for great for women to just go along and just express themselves and just, just enjoy it really more than anything else. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, like, um, I mean, you've encompassed that in so many amazing ways there, but the kind of, just the accessibility and just the kind of inclusivity that you get in kind of women's football seems, I don't know, just a little bit sort of niche to women's football, really, isn't it? I guess because when you look at kind of, like, boys' football and men's football these days, because they're kind of bombarded with it from, like, such an early age, and I think I mentioned this in my um, podcast last week with um, Dan from... um, up to ladies as well the idea that just like from such an early age it's just like you kick a ball this is what you do like you're a boy you're kicking a ball this is kind of whereas kind of and then if you're if you're not good enough you kind of end up don't join you don't join a team really do you or you kind of you kick a ball as a kid and then kind of it tails off after that whereas like you're saying here like you've got people in their 30s in their 40s in their 50s never kicked a ball in their life and they turn up and they do feel that kind of safe space and they're like yeah I actually feel like I feel like I kind of belong here and it's just available to so many different people I think this is about the millionth time I've said this as well, but I I didn't kick a football until I was until two years ago. So yeah, in my kind of like mid twenties, I was then. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, is not that, that bizarre that I started playing football like six years ago? And it's like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, um, yeah, and it is, and as you say, it's like men sort of ingrained into them that they do not ingrained into everybody, but that, you know that there is that football thing. Whereas where we grew up, the girls never played football, but. The, the landscape of women's football over the last few years has changed so much. It's incredible. And just the opportunities available now to young girls to play um, and to have that pathway into, you know, they see the lionesses and, they, you know, they think that there, there is a, a space for them. But as you say, yeah, with recreational football, you, you're even going to get younger women now. I mean, yeah. we have, to start off with, we have women that never played the game before. So it was all sort of a beginner's um sort of environment but as as it grew over the sort of six or so years we have women that came back into the game that wanted to play recreationally as well so so you will have women and girls um whether they're sort of in their 20s or whatever they can't commit every week to a league yeah but they just love playing um so they haven't got that commitment or they don't or they're busy or, or whatever so recreational football is there for them as well. So we we got to the stage where we were having women that played before coming in. Um, so we set up a session, an advanced session for women that have played before. Yeah. And actually what happens is now is that you get, the, so the women at the beginning who were beginners never played before have actually sort of gone up sort of four or five years learning to play and are actually playing with the women that had played before. Yeah. So you have a sort of, um, one of the advanced sessions that we have, we have women like that. And what you find is once the people, once the women that have played before actually get what we're about, mm. which may take a couple of weeks because when you've been in that competitive football environment before, um, it's sometimes hard to sort of think that it's just fun. Yeah. You know, that the mindset sort of thing. Yeah, of course. So when they come in, um, it takes them a few weeks. But what what they give to that group, it's brilliant because they've obviously had experience from playing before. Then they come in to, for a few sessions and they actually it's not really that competitive. It's just for fun. Although we can still be competitive because that's natural when you go on and play a match anyway, isn't yeah, it? Of course. So they come in, but they're actually helping the women that are less experienced by giving them their experience. Yeah, of course. So, you know, and it's brilliant. And then we go to, we do sort of festivals and, 
and friendlies and things like that. So we have sort of a wide range of women's abilities and sort of 100 of women. So if we have a friendly or something or a festival, I'll just put on, we have like a little Facebook page thing. So I'll just put on there who's available. And then you'll get beginners right up to advanced players. And so what will happen is you'll just even out the team. So you'll have yeah. a few advanced players in one team and the same the other, and just a few intermediate and a few beginners. And that's where they sort of learn from each other. So you, you're not going in blind. You know, you've got a bit of experience there to help you. We've got some fantastic women that played before and they really get what we're about. And, you know, they contribute to, to helping other women play as well. Yeah, that's really amazing. I think that's definitely the kind of direction that women's football and even girls' football is kind of going because there there still seems to be for a lot of kind of, and I'm talking kind of youth football now, especially in terms of women's football, is that... <clears throat> There's the kind of like, so we've seen the rise of wildcat centres, for example, and stuff like that. But there's still, yeah. and I talked about this with Craig from Ramsey and Missley in episode one, actually, about how there's that kind of the the want for the women's kind of football to happen. But actually that pathway to get people like girls kind of the next kind of generation, shall we say, kind of yeah. going still is kind of struggling there. So the idea that we've kind of got teams who are starting to spring up with kind of youth systems and creating pathways. And actually my own team's done this this year as well. We've partnered up with a, a local team to create a youth kind of a youth pathway. So we've got our we've got an under 18s team now and we train on the same night, for example. And then there's some there's some youth teams with within the club as well so like more and more of that springing up but actually it's good that there's also the opportunity for now people who are older who are interested in women's football and you guys seem to be sort of leading the way I guess in terms of that and kind of setting that pathway and I I think people kind of maybe sometimes think it's a bit strange for there to be a pathway beyond kind of being a being a child or being a teen but actually yeah. why, why why wouldn't you set up a kind of pathway for people who are older who still want to be involved in things and is even more so involved in things like sport and things like football like yeah that's just incredible that there's so many opportunities for that to happen so you, yeah. you guys only i think you only started the the beginners one in september was it have i have i imagined that i'm sure that's what i read somewhere and so start, so we started the the whole thing in, in April 2015 and then we started up some walking football. Uh, there's various sessions that we started sort of throughout the six years. Um, and then I just thought it's really important that we get to those other women um, who are a little bit slower maybe, who don't, mm. who think, oh, football, it, you know, it's quite a fast-paced game, have not sort of been involved in it before. And, and so I set up some walking football sessions yeah. um, to just sort of cater for the slower paced version of the game really to get more women um, involved which has been brilliant so um yeah so there is something for everyone really and it's just a, it's just a case of of getting it out there so women know that we're there and they know that they don't have to be Steph Horton or Jill Scott yeah. to actually play football you know that as long as you've got you know a football there then you can kick it then you can play football as far as I'm concerned and if you want to come and have some fun at the same time you know, and and that is the recipe that you know we have. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, one thing that I really wanted to talk about is I absolutely love your like cogs in review. Um, I was, I've, I've read, I think I've read most of them now, but I. Um, oh my god, that just... took me about that took me about five days to do each one of those. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so great, honestly. It's so inspiring. Like, I'd recommend anybody who's listening to this go and have a look at the cogs in review. It's so great. It's literally, yeah, just like a little rundown of your year. But I think it's so amazing, and I think as well. So you've done your kind of twenty. I've not long read your twenty twenty 
2021. And despite the fact we're in a pandemic, you wouldn't think that because you guys have been <laughs> mad busy in 2020. I don't think there isn't a thing you didn't do in that time kind of thing. So yeah, um, you mentioned about the walk in football as well. And um, you celebrated your fifth birthday, which I guess it was a little bit disappointing that we were in the middle of a pandemic. But yeah, incredible that you've kind of been going for five years. Did you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... It's been such a whirlwind five years, to be honest. Well, six years in April. And some of the stuff that we've actually been involved in and we've done, it's it's just incredible. And one of the reasons that I set the website up was to actually record what we've done because we were just doing so much stuff and so many amazing things. I couldn't remember them all, you know, it's just like, <laughs> you don't want to sort of, and, and that's what football's about, isn't it? Memories. I always think, you know, even supporting Crawley, going home and away it's like you, there are your memories you know yeah. the last minute goals or whatever and it, and it is the same in all you know, all walks of football they are what well when you love football and you get the memories that that is part of life isn't it yeah absolutely um, we've had some yeah really significant sort of moments that have, that have happened like for example with the, the BBC program that we did that was significant in in increasing um the number of women that were playing. And also for the women involved as well. I mean, it was just incredible to actually be on primetime TV, you know, showing that all these women can play football. Yeah. You know, that you wouldn't conventionally think would go out there and, and have a game and, and have like a proper match. Yeah. And, um, and Crawley Town were brilliant. They loaned us a stadium. And, you know, so that, that was sort of the first, you know, one of the first things we did. And then... Um, and then we sort of got nominated for a few awards and we were luckily, you know, we, we won an FA Women's Football Award for participation, which was unbelievable. Sort of going to where, if, if you can imagine me, like I'm just the average woman in the street, right, who love football all growing up, like loads of women do. Yeah. Got to start having a little kick about. And then a year or so later, I'm at Wembley at the FA Women's Football Awards we win an award and I'm standing on the stage giving a speech next to Greg Dyke. I mean, <laughs> how how incredible is that? Um, it's just like, how, how random goals. is that? <laughs> Absolute <laughs> life honestly, goals, that. It's just, um, you know, it's just just sort of in, it's incredible times, really. But, I mean, and, and that's another thing that's sort of come out of it, really, is confidence. Um, so many of the women are now more confident than... My worst nightmare when I was 15 or 16 years old would have been to stand up in front of people and talk to them because my face would have been beetroot, bright red, and I'd be, oh, my God, I just couldn't couldn't have been able to do it. But through doing this now, I'm literally talking to anybody who'll listen. It's just, <laughs> just to get that message out there, yeah, just to absolutely. say, women, you can play football. It, you know, it doesn't matter whether you've played before or not. You know, that's it. It's just, you've just got to get that message out there. Um so that I mean that was that was great. That was one of the um, uh, really sort of high moments. And then there was a, a national award that we won and a few bits and pieces. And then we just um, we did an advert for the FA. And and then all throughout this, it's just all about experiences. And then yeah. we played some brilliant games against. And we've made so many friends around the country as well. Um, I set up. Um, we did a women's national recreational tournament. No, it wasn't a tournament. It was a festival. Yeah. Um, and basically, 
I'm all about participation. I couldn't give a damn whether you win a game. Yeah. I don't care what the score is. Don't know what. Don't know what the score is. Don't care. So I just ran this festival just for women to be able to play in Crawley, and we had like 24 teams that came down, you know, all together. And so there was like over 250 women, over 30, just playing football for fun, not even to win anything. Yeah. And, yeah. and just the whole day was just brilliant. And uh, so I've always sort of been. It's just participation, get involved and have fun. Because I think as soon as you bring that competitive edge into it, you change the dynamics of enjoyment and fun and stuff like that. So, and, and all these women are so appreciative that they can actually play now. Yeah. So it, it's just, you'll have to, you'll have to come down one time because oh, it's very difficult to, expri- to describe it um, until you actually see it. So, then we did so we did that festival and that was brilliant and then um of course the world cup last year in france no it wasn't last year was it we've lost a year 2019 (laughs) (laughs) so um so i just thought oh i wonder if we could like do some old girls world cup or something like that yeah just just to give women the opportunity to actually be in france and maybe go and see some games and stuff like that and anyway i said to my friend joe who's um the old sets up the old bags yeah I said, oh, how, how about we do an old girls World Cup? So it's like, so we sort of set together to um, sort of produce this festival competition in France while the World Cup was on, and um, we went to France a few times. We found a stadium. Um, we found it because Joe had been on holiday in Soissons and found this amazing campsite, and it just yeah. the whole thing was just fate. It all just came together. So we had this campsite. We had we found the football stadium. Um, everything has to be agreed by the mayor in France. So we had meetings with the mayor. We had to drive out there and everything. But we got this. We got this campsite, booked everything up. We got the football stadium. They were so on board with everything. They were so they was they they were just so amazing, so accommodating. Yeah. They did all the food. They did. They even had remote control lawn mowers, which cut the pitch, and it was <laughs> being prepared. <laughs> two months before we actually were going to play. Honestly, it was just the most amazing time. And we, so we had loads of teams. So we had 20 odd teams that actually came out to France mm. um, and did a festival during the morning, which again was just participation. Yeah. But because we did the World Cup thing, we had um, in the evening, we had like the competitive sort of World Cup, in quotes. Um, I'd never call it a World Cup because it was just it was just a bit of fun. Yeah. But um so in them we had um, uh, USA, England, Wales, and the rest of the world, and sort of people during the day went into those different teams, and we had some Americans that came over to play, which was unbelievable. Yeah, incredible. And um, we sort of had sort of semi-finals and had the big plastic bowl where I pulled out the drawer and stuff. And um, honestly, it was just such a great day, and we just England went through to the final with America and they won one nil. But I mean, the whole day was just such great fun and just had such great feedback. Um, but again, it was just thinking about another opportunity for women to play, not only just play, but actually have the opportunity to go and watch the Lionesses as well. Yeah. Cause we were in yeah. France at the same time and we gambled on uh, Valencian tickets, hoping that we'd win the group. <laughs> and we did. So, nice. um, you know, quite a few of us actually went, went to watch the Lionesses. And I think, that as well is another part of it. It's not just about the football. It's all, you know, it can go off on tangents. And we've got women now who've done their coaching, or they've done their level ones, yeah. Um, yeah. going into coaching, 
um, in, you know, increases spectators at, at women's games, following the lionesses around. We went to Belgium and and we just all had this bonkers weekend where we went to Bel- to Leuven where we watched <laughs> the lionesses out there. Nice. But then we stayed for the weekend and we literally just had a brilliant time in Leuven Square and we hired bikes and we all had a few drinks and it is that sort of camaraderie thing as well that's that's all part of it so you've got the social side as well as the football side which is it's just like in football in general isn't it you have a good yeah. social side but we have an extremely good social side <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, so that. yeah it's uh it's brilliant but i think you know that's sort of the one of the main things that we have is is the camaraderie and you know the social stuff and yeah, there's nothing negative about it, really. I can't say. It's just... <laughs> no, honestly. <laughs> Singing your praises, absolutely. I am. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, that's what we've kind of lost as well with this kind of this crazy old year that we've had as well, is that that kind of the social side of football and grassroots especially and recreational and non-league. Like, that's just such a vital part. I think a lot of the time, if you ask somebody now who is involved in kind of grassroots or recreational thing and you ask them what well, they're missing... I, I'm sure a lot of people would probably not even say the football part. They'd just say, oh, yeah. I just really miss like playing with my mates on the weekend or I really miss like being down the pub after a game and talking yeah. about that. Just, yeah, Alcohol just... always has something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just think that is just such a, like, that's such a big positive and such a big kind of aspect of kind of recreational and grassroots football that... Yeah. A lot of people. That's that, that's such that's such a reason to get involved in recreational football because that is just such a big side of it. And I think as well, like for me personally as well, when I when I started playing football, I didn't know anybody at the football club. I I just happened to see an ad on Facebook and I just turned up. And yeah, yeah, we just like there was only four of us on that first day, and then we grew to, and eventually we did become part of a league, and we played. And we were we were awful, to be honest. <laughs> we we finished honestly. That kind of the appearance of Corona slightly helped us because we were literally sitting bottom of the table with one point. <laughs> But as a team, but we did just, you enjoy it? Yeah, exactly. Way. We turned up every week. Like we had a bare nine most weeks as well. Sometimes, yeah. so. But yeah, we used to turn up and like the, the local social club as well. That's where we used to go and have a drink afterwards. And it was just full of all the old boys from the village, and they'd be like, "All right, girls, how did you get on?" And it's just such like a big part of it. And yeah, I think yeah. people don't realise like that kind of side of the football. Like obviously, the football's important, and you want to be playing the football and stuff like that. And but yeah, it's just such a vital kind of side of football that people. Should should absolutely get involved in absolutely and then we, you have the things like the people the fa people's cup that they hold every year it's like the amateur tournament that is such a big thing in our calendar because we have i mean we've taken sort of seven or eight teams to one place and then we all book a premier in stay the night have a raucous time <laughs> and then <laughs> play football and then go back and that is all part of it but but again the social side um you're meeting other women that you would never normally have met in your life. And you're meeting women from so many different parts of, you know, the professional side or, you know, so many different jobs they have, different personalities. And and it's incredible because, that you know, the sort of knowledge um, and experiences are all so different. And yet these women all come together as one on a football pitch. And it's so lovely to see, you know, we've got, sort of women who are quite shy um you know we've got women who are older women who are younger and yet everybody in that space is sort of 
gelling together and it's and it's such a lovely thing to see because you you know as you say you do meet new people and you make new experiences with these new people i mean i would have never have gone abroad you know <laughs> and uh, you know sort of done the things that we've done and you know just through football it's it's just uh yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of, I guess everybody kind of brings their own kind of self and comes from different backgrounds and it's such a variety, but it ends up kind of being this sort of like level playing field then, doesn't it? As soon as you, yeah. like, I mean, for want of a better kind of pun, I guess, but yeah, it becomes this le- level playing field, doesn't it? Because you're just like, you're all just there for that kind of, that love of football kind of thing there. Um, yeah. So another thing that I noticed in your review is Cogsfest. Let's talk Cogsfest. Okay. <laughs> I am a big festival fan, so I'm already in. I've not I don't even know much about it, but I'm get me involved. Oh, <laughs> uh, we just had we had to cancel it. It was such yeah. a shame due to COVID. We were all ready to go. We had thirty two teams booked in in the space of a week, which was which was incredible. Amazing. Um but we will be doing with something like that towards um around the Euros in twenty twenty two. So um yeah, we're gonna uh, we're just gonna try and make it an amazing time and you know the bit of live music and and just play it and it will be a festival it won't be a tournament it will be a festival where all these women's teams can just come down enjoy playing football and just music and stuff it would just be yeah it's just one of those things that we just they're so gutted that we couldn't do it in the end but it's one of those things, isn't it? Yeah, yeah so. Well, sign me up 100%. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess as well, because if there's a delay, it just means it's going to be even bigger and even better. So, I mean, exactly. all this time to hype it as well. So, yeah, that's really yeah. exciting. Lots cool. of time to plan it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I feel like I might you might have maybe mentioned some of all of this already, but I wanted to ask what has been your kind of standout moment for the COGS? I feel like there's probably too many for you to even consider. <laughs> Maybe a top three, a top five, possibly. <laughs> um, there are so many. Uh, honestly, it's been a life changer for me. Um, I think the Old Girls World Cup was was one of them. But I think the sort of spin-offs from COGS as well that um, that we've done. So I set up this, my auntie had dementia. yeah, and, um, and when I visited her in the care home, I was sort of looking after her. I just looked around and just all these people with dementia just sitting in their chairs and it was quite depressing. I mean, some places are good, you know, they've um, they've got lots of stuff to do, but I just looked at my aunt and I thought, this is so depressing just seeing how her sort of fade away. Mm. And then I thought sort of a bit later, I was like, why don't we do something with dementia patients that um, a friend of mine's involved in, in a channel four program that was, had children going into old people's homes. Yeah. Um, and I watched it and I thought, oh, God, why don't we do something like that, you know, with older older women? And, and I just, so we sort of got people together and the council ran a Dementia Friends training course for us, which wasn't, which was just an hour. Yeah. And it was really, really informative, uh, really good. And then, so we had about 14 cogs that did that. And so um, we got in touch with this chap called Roy, who, who looks after this local residential care home where they had dementia patients. And... And we organised to go in there on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I bought a load of foam footballs and washing baskets. And um, and we just went into this residential care home on a Sunday morning and we just played catch. We, we had the old grandstand tunes going. I love that. Um, and, you know, we were playing cones on the head and all sorts of stuff that they would try possibly try and remember. And there was loads of women there. Mm-hmm. Um 
and there was a couple of men and and they were kicking the ball but the women when you speak to the women that were there and we would play catch and you'd notice how they throw the ball back they used to play netball yeah and it was sort of trying to sort of converse with them about their younger days which obviously with dementia is really important yeah um because you know in the training it sort of says that layers and layers of memories sort of disappear from from when you're older and you're also going back to so you would chat to the women about when you say oh you used to play netball didn't you I can tell by the way you throw the ball yeah um, and then they'd kick the ball and you'd get into a conversation with them, and you just see their face light up and yeah. honestly you'd throw a football to this woman and she's called Mildred one of them and she would throw it back and she'd be so excited that she threw it back in the washing basket because yeah. we'd have like the washing baskets going around uh, and it was just so rewarding to do something like that so you know that's another sort of spin-off from cogs and then and then we're actually looking at um doing some sessions now to tackle inequalities um to get more black and south asian women playing football um that's coming up soon so there are all sorts of sort of spin-offs that come basically from (laughs) just a few women wanting to kick about it's just grown grown so much um so that so Cogs and Care Homes is actually um that's a real highlight. Um oh, God, there are so many. It's just like, <laughs> I think to me personally, the highlight is it sound may sound a bit cringe actually, but it's, the highlight for me is seeing new women come along smiling, laughing, playing football, and then they come back the next week because they love it. And then yeah. I see on the Facebook page, um I was doing a little website piece on about coming back to football and stuff like that. And so I asked the Cogs, um, well, actually, I, I held a women's rec football forum the other week, just a, like an unofficial thing. Yeah. And I asked the Cogs what it meant to them to come to football. And I honestly couldn't believe the answers that came back. Mm-hmm. And some of them were like, my mental health was really low and there was nowhere else for me to go sort of thing. And that changed my life. Yeah. Um, made new friends um my self-esteem self-belief confidence you know and all these things they were and I was like that is actually what it's all about really at the end of the day it's about women about empowering them um and it's making sure that you know we're all there to support them and, and that they have fun and enjoy it so that that's my main thing that I get out of it and that's what keeps me going and I just think if I feel the way I feel after I've played football well, anyone knows play, plays football is buzzing, but the fact that I can play sort of age nearly fifty five, and I I can run around on a pitch, whereas I couldn't probably run very far, and I get in, and I'm absolutely buzzing that I've just played. Yeah, imagine how many tens of thousands of women around this country could have that same feeling that that don't know about football or can't, and that's what drives me on thinking there's still so many women to reach. Um, so yeah that's what it's all about for me is just just getting those women involved yeah no absolutely that's very poignant I like that I think as well I kind of relate quite a lot as well because so when I I was guess I was a little bit lost when I um kind of back in when was it so 2019 was when I started playing football yeah I was a bit kind of like lost in the world really I didn't really know what to do with myself and yeah so then I fact I saw the saw the ad for my football team and I was like yeah do you know what I'm gonna do it because um I think I might have mentioned previously on a podcast as well that um I um 
turned up yeah I was just by myself kind of thing and I didn't know anybody and stuff like that and when I was when I was kind of in my teens especially as well I tried to join a football team but I was really I was, I was a, like a very shy teenager which some people probably must be thinking now what are you on about like what are you yeah, talking about you exactly shy the same as me. yeah that's exactly the same so yeah <laughs> I tried to kind of join a team and I guess I just didn't feel particularly welcome from them. Like that's a kind of, sometimes teenage girls are a bit mean, aren't they? Really, so yeah. I just didn't feel particularly that's welcome. A, that's a great point, actually, because that's what I say to a lot of people as well. Is that when you get a bit older, like me, you sort of you're past that stage yeah. of looking at someone else, thinking, and it, and it does go on. You sort of look at other girls and think, oh god, she's really like nice figure and this, that, and the other. And then when you get a bit older you don't worry about things like that anymore yeah yeah absolutely you just there you have so many different things going on Mm. that that side of it you sort of leave that behind and if i i would love to say to girls who are like 15 16 17 whatever if you knew in 30 years time or 20 years time how confident you would be i would love that to go back 20 years and the girls have their confidence now because I look at myself when I was like in my teenage years, I used to get, I'd walk around the shop and if someone spoke to me, I'd go bright red. I'd be get really embarrassed. But now I don't care if I go out, you know, I go out in my football kit after training or something. And yeah. If someone looks at me, I just really don't care. Yeah. You know, it's, and I would love to say that to women growing up, growing up, like, <laughs> going from those teenage years and twenties, you know, when you get older, all that, a lot of that angst that you've got about what you look like, about activity, stuff like that. Just stupid things like we'll go to football, whether it's peeing down with rain or not, and we will look like drowned rats. Yeah. But actually, we don't care because we've had a great time playing football. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas I think if that had been 20 years ago, oh, I don't want to get my hair wet sort of thing. <laughs> it's just silly things like that, isn't it? And you just yeah. say, oh, I wish I could say to that girl, don't worry about it because in 20 years' time, you won't give a damn what you, know, what you saw yeah, then. No, that's absolutely spot on, definitely. I definitely can agree with that as well. Definitely kind of resonates with me 100%. Um, I guess kind of on the flip side of all that exciting stuff and kind of all those kind of highlights, what do you feel like the most challenging thing has been for Cogs? Um, You can say there hasn't been if you want. (laughs) I don't think there's been that many challenging times, to be honest, because I think it was something new Mm. um, and there's so many positives around it. I think the only thing I would say is that... um, if you do have women that have played before um, that are highly competitive, that does take a little time to get what we're about, if you see yeah. what I mean, so about being fun. But I think that's just in a in general, if you've played before and you're competitive and you just want to go in and win everything, yeah. um, it, it's quite that mindset's quite difficult to get out of if you're still in it sort of thing. So I think that's really the only challenge that we've had is, and it's not really been a hard challenge it's no. just been sort of a learning thing yeah of that, um, if you're coming to play then we're not going to be doing slide tackles <laughs> we're not going to be doing this that and the other because yeah. uh, you're either hurt somebody or we're not going to be smashing the ball you know at a goalkeeper that's just um learn how to be in goal that yeah. sort of thing so it, it's just a, like a learning curve so that i think really is the only sort of challenge that um we've come across really i think we've just I think because we've sort of started from scratch and and everything's sort of been such a positive, 
I don't know whether there'll be challenges ahead. I don't know, but it's. I think there's just too many positives for us to listen to any negative. Yeah, absolutely no. <laughs> no. Nothing negative about it, and the, no sort of challenges really. I think what well, possibly challenges are facilities. Maybe trying to find facilities yeah. for. Um, extra sessions and things like that because I think you have the situation where I mean I used to run a grassroots football club junior football club and you get the situation where the three G's are always booked up yeah junior football clubs um, and the thing is because it's on a rolling annual basis if you've got those slots then you'll just ask if you want to rebook them for the next year and you do that a year in advance so a lot of women and girls groups that are coming through need to actually get into that situation yeah. where they get those slots um and just have more facilities available so i think that will be um there's, there's quite a few challenges ahead uh coming up to euro 2022 with um with building you know the fa have got legacy plans to build um over the next few years so more facilities um and obviously coaching as well it's you know you need coaches to yeah to actually bring the game forward and, and more and more coaches and and you need more diversity as well you need diversity inclusion you need to have coaches that look like people that want to play football and yeah, um, so you increase um diversity inclusion so there's there's lots of stuff to be done and um, a few challenges but you know the especially the fa are right behind sort of promoting women and girls especially with their strategy that they released in 2020 so you know, it's exciting times ahead. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's interesting as well that you kind of touch on the kind of, like, the facilities, so kind of the accessibility of it just, and also kind of the inclusivity as well and, like, making sure... I think it's that kind of expression of, like, if you can see it, you can believe it, can't you? So if you yeah. if you can see what, like you say, for young girls, if you can see, like, other people and there's role models there for you, you can be like, well, yeah, why, why wouldn't I do that? And obviously yeah. then that also kind of transfers across to any kind of generation then and even more so for kind of cogs like if you can see women who are older who have never played football before why wouldn't yeah. you then give it a go yeah exactly cool love that um i think that kind of moves kind of nicely into then in that case what is the future for cogs i think you've kind of mentioned it here there a little bit kind of but yeah what is the future for cogs gonna look like hopefully oh well and for you in general actually <laughs> you touched on the legacy bit there as well so kind of let's have a little chat about that too but What's yeah, that? Sorry, you mentioned about the kind of legacy thing there in Euro twenty twenties. Like we can talk about that too. Yeah, well, that's um, you know that's another thing going forward is that the FA have got legacy groups around each host city um, for Women's Euros twenty twenty two, and there's a the program going on at the moment, which has been going on since two thousand nineteen, uh, with all these groups looking at increasing participation, increasing supporters, and ev- increasing everything to do with women and girls football. Um, and when we look back at you know, us 10 women just having a kick about and looking now at Sport England investing £1 million, um, which is going to be spread around those host cities for, for yeah. women's rec football. Um, we've now got each host city will now have a women's recreational football officer that works mm-hmm. full time um, to actually increase participation for women's recreational football. So there is so much going on behind the scenes, um, ready, you know, building up to... 2022 um you know it's a very exciting times ahead and it's uh, for me it's just building like cogs building um and just getting more more and more women involved um 
obviously we'll need more facilities sometimes we're putting more sessions on but it's just getting sometimes I think well, people get fed up listening to me saying <laughs> but actually someone did say to me you do need to keep um you need to keep talking about it yeah um and, it, and funny in the forum the other night I said um I saw a quote um which Judy Murray had put that Billie Jean had this quote that says, if you don't make a noise, no one will hear you. Yeah. And that really resonated with me. How simple is that? And if I don't keep making a noise of how good women's rec football is and, you know, getting women to play, people aren't going to hear about it. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, and sometimes I think, oh, God, she's off again. People get, you know, <laughs> fed up with hearing her. But actually someone did say to me, you might have said that to somebody um, on a radio program or something like that, but then there might be someone at the other end of the country that didn't listen to that radio program. Yeah. So it just keep, as I said, keep making a noise about it and keep keep getting these opportunities for women to be able to play, um, and just keep at it. Just there's so much more, so much more to do that you know we can all sort of say how good women's rec football is, the benefits and everything else, um, but it's got to reach everybody. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I, I mean, this is not strictly strictly football, but I um, I can't remember her name for for the life of me now. But um, they were talk. I saw some tweets the other day about the um women's rugby World Cup being postponed till next year as well, and um, obviously people aren't happy about that. But um, she was from New Zealand actually. The woman I saw, I think she must be a sports journalist or something like that. But she basically was saying rather than moaning about the fact it's been postponed, let's use this entire year we've got now to just absolutely yeah. hype the life out of rugby and get people involved and just get people involved in sports and get women involved and equally get, get men involved, just get everybody involved and like use this year rather than to complain about the fact that we've seen postponement after postponement, use this year to just keep growing and keep shouting yeah. about the game. So yeah, that's obviously applicable to football as well. And, and, and also it's really important as well that we have male allies. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about women and girls and women all the time, but, mm. you know, it's really important for, for male allies um, to be involved and, you know, support the women, even the women that come and play, you know, that I think secretly some of the men are very proud of their wives and their, yeah. their partners. And yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's good to have male allies. Um, and again, you just meet so many different people. Yeah, no, that's that's so true. And I think I think you mentioned it before as well about kind of the power of social media as well. And you just, yeah, like I, I for one definitely have come across so many people that I would never have spoken to um, about a variety of things. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, so let's kind of speak. I mean, we have sort of weaved this in here, there and everywhere anyway, but kind of on a broader scale, kind of women's football, kind of where do you feel like women's football is really kind of making strides in the kind of the women's game? Well, I mean, I sort of think from 2015, the landscape of women's football has just completely changed, doesn't it? I think, and it's, and I, and I think a lot of that has to do with the lionesses. I think, I think women's football, sort of over the last few years, to, to me anyway, I look at it and see the differences I see is that a lot of women and girls love watching the lionesses. They're, they're really inspiring. They love watching the lionesses. And I think, unless you're, you've been like a real staunch women's football fan for many years, I think a lot of the spectators of the women's game are watching the Lionesses 
in, at their clubs. So I think spectator-wise, if you go to, so for example, Brighton play at our club, like Crawley Town, they play there. Yeah. And, and I think because you've got the different WSL sides with the different lionesses in it, I think you get more spectators going to see personalities sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's got as tribal. Uh, it's starting to get that way. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's it's not as tribal, obviously, as the, the men's game. Um, and you have got the real staunch women football fans that have been going for a long time. Mm. I think the new sort of era of supporters that is very family orientated yeah. and, you know, they're taking their, their families to see the Lionesses at, at Wembley and different stadiums around the country. And then uh, there's such a difference in the game and that at the end of the game, you can get your photo taken. Uh, and how much longer that will last, I don't know, because yeah. the popularity of women's football is, is really growing. And whether that will still be a thing, I mean, it'd be great if it carried on, but, you know, that sometimes you just can't do that, can you? When, especially not COVID, COVID times, you can't, but it'll be interesting to see how that sort of progresses as the game grows. But I think, you know, Kelly Simmons at the FA with a professional game and what they've done um, over the last few years has been incredible. And I think, you know, the sponsors that have been brought in as well, um, it, it's just been such a rise, hasn't it, over the over the last few years. And, and it can only, you know, grow and grow and grow, and especially like with the Euros coming up. And, and there are so many new girls' teams and girls... You know, especially in Cogs, we've got um, we've got women that have actually, you know, they've done their level ones and then they've gone off um, to their local club and they've set up girls' teams. Yeah. So, you know, there's a knock-on effect there. Um, and I, I, I do think it does need a little bit more exposure, uh, the women's games. So you know, for example, the Lionesses game the other day was just on the red button, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it's on a Tuesday <laughs> lunchtime. Yeah, and you just think, well, I mean, I know it was at St George's Park, it was a friendly and, you know, whatever. And probably at that time of day, there may not have been that, as many watching, but that sort of thing, oh, it should be like mainstream TV. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, uh, Sunday afternoon at two, when all the women who would normally be playing are stuck inside, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, that's true. But it's, yeah, I mean... It, you know, the landscape of the game has just completely changed, hasn't it, in the last yeah. sort of five or so years? And um, long may it continue. Yeah, I think as well, it's interesting you mentioned about the kind of professionalism as well. So I think Dan and I discussed this in episode two, the kind of, it's on a bit of a sort of a knife edge right now as it kind of moves towards professionalism. As you see, kind of, obviously the WSL has now been professional for the last two, three years, I think it is. And um, kind of more and more teams in the championship are kind of airing on the side of becoming professional, like Leicester's recently become professional, hasn't it? Um, yeah. so I think yeah you're, that's definitely kind of a one to watch and kind of in terms of elite football is kind of the way that goes and yeah as you say kind of autographs and stuff like that on the side like you, you'd never get that in a Premier League game would you so <clears throat> yeah I do think there was a good discussion actually the other day I was listening to um, Emma Hayes on, on a podcast I think it's probably a while ago there was a good discussion about um, diversity and players coming and, and girls and, and women and diversity in players with with the RTC centres sort of in yeah. big towns where um, maybe that's harder to reach um, for some people. And mm. so I think that's probably a good conversation to have. And maybe these big clubs don't, you know, necessarily just need to have RTCs, but they need to have other sort of areas where they can get a diverse group of girls and 
women playing yeah absolutely that's, you can, that's a whole new conversation yeah definitely um, <laughs> you can you can see that with so um i did an interview recently with chloe kelly actually about super five league in london and they've recently kind of introduced a girls league as well so that's kind of started in hackney marshes and it's kind of all across london now so it'd be nice to kind of see that kind of growth across the country where there is just kind of your local park is actually available and i mean it's yeah, great. I, and it's... I watched that. It was brilliant. And Thank Super you. Five League have done some really good stuff. Yeah. And a, a few sort of friends of ours are involved in that. Um, you know, and it's been really good. And especially, um, I've got Yashmin, who has sort of founded the Muslimer Association. And they've got, they've tied up with Friendford and they've got women and girls playing in that league. And, you know, so they're doing some really good stuff, the Super Five League. And, yeah. so yeah to have that around would be good definitely and you kind of hopefully we'll kind of see it sort of grow across the country or at least if that doesn't grow maybe other people will see stuff like that and kind of be inspired like just like you were inspired to kind of be like well there's an opportunity for me here so I'm gonna yeah. kind of make the most of it so hopefully I don't know people will feel kind of inspired from COGS for example and Super 5 and anything else they might see to kind of go about it and kind of decide that actually do you know what I'm going to do this myself kind of thing I think that's yeah. a, kind of a big thing within the win, the women's game especially as well is actually there's lots of little pockets of things that you think oh that needs something there so and I think it just yeah. needs a lot of people to be like yeah do you know what I'm this going to be me I'm going to do it I'm going to be the one that does that yeah once you get involved and start doing it there's just no stopping it <laughs> Like, well, yeah, because it sort of it sort of escalates. Yeah, <laughs> you well, you can see how cogs are snowballed. That's amazing to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's kind of answered. My next question was going to be, how do you think grassroots football can kind of aid the, the growth and the development? But I feel like we've maybe covered it there. I don't know if you want to add anything more to that. Well, I think grassroots wise, I mean, sort of being running a sort of grassroots junior football club, which was mostly boys. Um, and we did have a couple of girls teams, but I think there's a real opportunity there for um, grassroots leagues and clubs to actually start running something alongside their sessions. So you've got the the mums will take the boys to training or the dads. Um, if you've got mums, aunts, nans that are standing around while the kids are training, why not set something up for the mums and the nans and the aunts to do at the yeah. same time? Don't have them standing on the sideline getting cold. Yeah. Get a football out. And this is where we need more coaches. So, you know, get a football out. Get them having a little kickabout. Mm. Do some little starter sessions or, you know, there, there's so many opportunities. So, you know, so they're both putting their kits on to go out. One's playing. And then the mums on the other side or the sisters or even the girls, you know, women and girls, just set up a little few cones, a little footballs. You know, they can do something as well. And that could lead to them starting a team or that could lead to them thinking, oh, my God, I love doing this. I need to get some more women involved. You know, it just takes that initial thing. So I think grassroots, you know, junior clubs have got a part to play in this as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, going forward. Yeah, interesting. I love that. I feel like that's a really kind of good kind of point to maybe sort of end on there. I don't know. I feel like there's so much more we could discuss here. I've got some, so I've got some quick fire questions, but I don't know how well this is going to work because obviously it's been easy for my last two episodes to do quick fire questions because they've got their like one team. Whereas you're like, yeah, I've just right. got 120 people. 
(laughs) so I don't know there might be some people that you can kind of point out but you don't have to suddenly start listing off 17 people per question yeah well if anyone's listening don't get upset if I don't mention (laughs) um you are also able to use a veto if you feel like you don't want to kind of um dob anyone in too much as well but um all right yeah let's go there's a few I can dob in (laughs) you're like I've already got some ideas actually Um, so let's kick things off with who's always late. Is there somebody who is a serious? Who's always late? Yeah, Rachel is <laughs> always late. I can t- <laughs> that's straight away. Rachel or Carrie, actually, they're always yeah. Rachel always comes flying in at the last minute. I say, make sure you do stretch. She said, oh, "I'm right, done the run." <laughs> <laughs> but you don't stop her. She's brilliant. Nice, love her. Um, who is? Oh, I guess this is maybe not so um, kind of because you guys don't play in a league or anything like that, but. Is there someone who's kind of turned up to the wrong place? I don't know if you've been on one of your tours or someone turned up to the wrong place or who's going to forget their kit? Like you've got all the way to France for the World Cup and they're like, oh, I've left my kit at home. That, that's probably me. <laughs> <laughs> I am always, oh God, are my boots in the bag? Oh God. And then when I get there, my friend Sandra will tell you, she, I always lose my keys somewhere. Yeah, I just chuck them in the bag. And it'll be, where's my keys? And we've literally spent hours just looking for my keys and they're like in a plastic bag or something with the cones in or something stupid <laughs> like that. <laughs> but no, everyone's very good at turning up on time because they're so desperate to play. Nice. So that's a... <laughs> Do you know what? I could probably nominate myself for that question as well now that I think about it because I think every Sunday I must ask, like, does anybody have some spare socks? I can't find mine. Yeah. And then I'm just on the way out of the door and I'm like, oh, there they are. The but bear. yeah, every, I think everyone just waits for me to ask the question and then 10 minutes later I'll be like, oh, don't worry, I found them. Like, nobody replies to me because they know 10 minutes later I'm going to yeah, reply, like, I've got them, them actually. Yeah, that's a bit Who is going to score your winning goal? I guess... Yeah, these questions are a bit tricky, aren't they? Because you kind of you guys are playing for fun, but yeah, who's who's scoring that winning goal? Well, we've got we've got a well, I say cool woman. She's a, we see her as a, a little pocket rocket, really. <laughs> but she's played before, and um, so Kerry, we call her Taggy, or I call her Taggy. I seem to call everyone nicknames that end in E <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why. Just they just, just roll the tongue easily, don't they? That's yeah, what it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So Taggy, she'll she'll come along. She's she's played before, but she's got a bit of a shot on her. So if we've got her in the team, then usually um, or Fran, then usually there's a few goals there. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm gonna set this question up with the I would be the answer for this question. Who is right. equally missing a goal? <laughs> oh God, me hundreds of times probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, there's quite a few actually. There's quite a few to name. But maybe I shouldn't name them. But there's quite a few of us. You can veto this. But one. then we don't. We don't really care. No. Yeah. Day. Well, there we go then. <laughs> um, who is the kind of uh, the biggest joker? Who's the one that's kind of like joking around, kind of pulling stunts, maybe a few pranks here and there. Um, we have quite a few people that are quite like that, but there will be. This may be a little tangent off that question, but there are a few people that we always end up in the pub with that will literally just get us doing stupid stuff by <laughs> getting that. shot in. That's... Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so we do have... Um, so Charlie Reedy and, and Kim and Sandra, I think we're, we're the sort of shot 
well, they end up getting shots, and then we just the whole place ends up in chaos. But usually, me and Sandra, are the last one standing, I think, with with our phone going, "We're still here. Where is everyone?" Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, and final one: Who is the hype woman? Who is the one getting everyone going? Um. Well, I try to get everyone going, but I usually I end up like, laughing yeah, too much. It probably much. is you. You're like, <laughs> but I try. But there are there are some real, you know, Kim Kim Condon. We call her. As I said, is her name anyway. But she is Kim and Lizzie. They've played before. They come along, um, and she's like she'll sit at the back, and she'll say when she first came came in, and she looks at me and she says, "Come on, Carol, use your weight." Like, mm. but not in a horrible way. Yeah, yeah. She means like get stuck because I wouldn't normally sort of shoulder go go to anyone with a shoulder or anything like that. She's going, yeah. come on, Carol, get in there. <laughs> and when she plays with me, it really ups my game a little bit because I'm learning from her mm. of things to do. So usually I'm just like running about laughing, whatever. She's, and and her and Lizzie because they play before and they're very calm on the ball. A lot of our cogs watch them and yeah. how they play <clears throat> and. She always does this thing where she dummies somebody and goes the other way. And I think, I really want to learn how to do that. And I just watch her all the time. And she's brilliant. And she really gets people going. And and she's sort of a bit like, she's that person that you want sort of behind you, telling you, you know, what to do or where to go, you know, when you haven't played before. So, um, but there's a few like that. Mm. But yeah, she's the one and she's funny with it. She just makes me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's another thing that's kind of really kind of poignant in kind of grassroots and recreational in general, but especially in the women's game. Like everyone's just a massive hype woman for each other. Like, yeah, yeah. You just you just want to get like get everyone going. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like, even if you're just kind of in a training session as well, you're just like, yeah, that was like a nice move. Well done and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's definitely. And then, a big and then you part. have people like so we've got Tracy. She's we have so many inspiring women. So we've got about four women over sixty. So we've got mm. Pauline, Ginny, um, Viv, who was sixty-five. Um, the other month or the end of last year when we were doing our lockdown thing and she turned up on her 65th birth, 65th birthday because she wanted to play football and we Love never that. knew she was 65 we thought she was about 50 I mean god she's she's brilliant <laughs> we've got Pauline who we call the rock she's 61 um and she turns up every week and you don't get past her it, it, there's so many inspiring women and we've got Tracy Tracy lost eight stone wow. to join us she she's a Corey Town fan like me, but mm. she was quite large. She was a size twenty six, but when Cog set up, she wanted to join. So and she couldn't move properly, so mm. she lost eight stone. Yeah. And now she's so inspiring the way she plays. Um, she's done. She's starting to get into coaching, so she helps me the walking football. And you just meet so many inspiring. And that's probably sort of something we haven't really touched on. But the, the inspirational women that you see their stories and you read you know about them and um one of the women Gillian she she wrote a poem the other year new year and and she was like she never could play football before but what it meant to come and play and and just all the inspiring stories Mm. that come out of them I'm like you've got to tell us your inspiring story because we need to get them out there so I've been on them for International Women's Day like come and tell us your story sort of thing so and you just have so many amazing inspirational women just just coming along 
Yeah, absolutely. Wow, love that. I think that is probably a good place for us to kind of pause there. So, I mean, your kind of tagline is the kind of idea that you are the generation that football missed, but you're absolutely making up for that lost time. And it's been oh, an absolute, <laughs> absolute pleasure to chat to you. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I've loved it. Brilliant. Love that. And thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to episode three of the latest series in the Selk podcast production. Expect to hear many more interviews from those involved in the women's grassroots game, as well as news, history and everything else in between. And remember, it's okay not to be okay. So if you ever want to reach out, I'm always happy to chat football or anything else for that matter. Feel free to get in touch with me on social media. Stay safe out there, wear a mask, wash your hands, follow the guidelines and catch you all soon for episode four. I've been your host, Abby, and you've been listening to Match Fix. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.